is WFG Insights, your download on the real estate market, featuring industry experts, thought leadership, and what's trending, keeping you informed and ahead of the market. Questions and concerns about real estate are grabbing headlines. In this episode, we call on WFG founder and executive chairman, Patrick Stone, to cut through the noise and offer direction and guidance in what will be a challenging market for an extended period. Pat, thanks for joining us. Uh, When we touched base the other day, you told me you spend half your time explaining to people that we are not in a housing bubble. So (laughs) why don't we amplify that to a wider audience here and maybe share your explanation with us? Sure. You know, a bubble typically implies something that is going to burst and deflate. Uh, and we are not in that environment. We were in a housing bubble uh, prior to the Great Recession because we had created a very artificial environment in which appreciation and access to home ownership had no risk base or, or product base. In other words, the credit risk and product risk was very, very poorly managed. Uh, and we created a bubble and the bubble deflated. This time we have a demand-driven appreciation has it accelerated rapidly? Yes, not as much so as you would think, given the focus on the Case-Shiller Index, which is very misleading. But it has gone up dramatically because people wanted homes and the demand far exceeded the supply. That is evening out now. We are actually seeing an environment in which demand and supply are coming back into alignment. So I think you'll see price appreciation decelerate meaningfully but we're not going to see any decline in prices because there's not an excess of supply and demand will remain in place. So if this isn't a bubble, what are we in here? Uh, What do you call this? People need a label, right? We need to call it something, right? I mean, there's all this wage growth out there that's been eaten up by inflation over the past year. You know, the last 12 months, home prices up almost 20% incomes up about 5% uh, nationally. Something's got to give you, right? I mean, we are... No, no, no. Home prices aren't up 20%. Uh, Home prices are up at different levels in different places. Uh, For example, if you're on the West Coast, median price increased a little over 8% last year, about 10% in the Midwest, a little over 6% in the Northeast, 20% in the South, because you had a tremendous influx of population. Things don't have to change dramatically, but you will see that the balance between supply and demand is going to even out and you're going to see prices level off. They're not going to come down, but they will level off. And uh, you know, one of the problems we have here is the media focuses on the Case-Shiller Index, which is very, very misleading, like it's, it applies uniformly everywhere to all price ranges. It does not. And candidly, I I don't like the index. I think you and I've had that conversation before. Um, There has been areas where you've seen very, very high appreciation, especially in the South in which so many people moved there and the homes, there wasn't a sufficient supply of homes. So does something have to give? No, but you will see prices level off. You'll you'll see the acceleration in prices stop. You'll see prices level off. Uh, We are in a situation right now where there's a lot of concern and and candidly, a lot of uncertainty economically about where we go. I don't see a deflation in housing prices and I don't see a tremendous, I don't see demand stopping. 
However, again, the people that can buy has uh, gone down. The people that can access the market has gone down because of mortgage rates, because of other factors like inflation. But the supply is also down. So uh, it's really a very unique situation where supply and demand have fallen uh, almost equivalently. So we'll see what happens here. But I see prices leveling off. I don't see a major deflation of prices. Okay. Uh, we're recording this on June 1st. Uh, stock market is obviously sinking. Crypto is cratering. Inflation at levels <laughs> that uh, we haven't seen in 40 years. Uh, you've got record high gas prices, a war in the uh, world's breadbasket. You've got supply chain issues. No end in sight there. And not a lot of people talking about that. Lots of uncertainty. As you've said in our last episode, you've been in the business uh, almost 50 years now, and you've never seen anything like it. So we're now entering this phase where consumers don't want to catch the falling knife. We're already hearing that, uh, where they will wait. And that is obviously not good. So does that factor in as well to your forecast in terms of things leveling off? Is just the consumer backing off? Let me back up a little bit on a couple of things you said. First of all, we saw inflation nearly at this level in the early 2000s. Um, We have seen situations throughout history in which inflation has popped up short term. Supply chain is loosening up dramatically. Uh, Goldman, as I've mentioned before, Goldman Sachs has a supply chain congestion meter. It was at 10 in December. It's at five now. With China opening back up, the supply chain is going to become even uh, more or closer back to normal than it, than it is even now. But it's going to quit being a major factor in inflationary pressure. Also, the fact that most consumers do not have a lot, a lot more disposable income, they've used a lot of that up, and now they're spending money on both goods and services instead of just goods. Uh, we would actually be in a situation without the Ukraine war where we'd have noticeable drop in inflation. And yeah, we might be looking at a recession, maybe, maybe not. But we'd be pretty optimistic that the worst was over, that the actual inflation was transitory. But with the Ukraine situation, we don't know. Am I highly negative about it? No, I'm not. Um, I'm still probably marginally optimistic that we're going to get through all of this with only a minor recession, something like we had in what was it, 2001? You know, something that will be, uh, you know, technically a recession, but won't be very disruptive. Now, if Ukraine goes on for another six or nine months, that could change because that's put a lot of pressure on energy. And that's also disrupted the world's food supply. And there's a lot of concern over uh, uh, smaller emerging markets, especially in Africa, having problems with food because of the Ukraine situation. So that's the uncertainty here. But the supply chain is opening up and we are seeing a drop in the focus on goods purchases. So uh, we did notice a slight drop in overall inflationary numbers last month. I don't think they're going to go up from here. We'll see. What indication do we have that, uh, you know, the war in Ukraine has any resolution in six to nine months? I mean, that's not even on the radar, is it? Well, I, I tell you that it better be. And, you know, really what is I think where you're at now is this is a little bit like uh, if you remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, the resolution really allowed the Russians, uh, gave the Russians a little face saving uh, in the sense that they maintained that uh, Cuba maintained this communist government. I do think that the, res- the resolution in Ukraine will have to have, will have to accommodate some small victory for Russia in some form. Uh, if it goes on another six or nine months, we got a real problem because then the the inflationary pressure on energy and food will become 
a major world problem. So let's hope that they figure out some way for everybody to save face and go home here pretty soon. And the inflation thing. Many of the economists that I read or follow point to the fact that this isn't going to go away quickly, that it's baked in and that it will take several years for these prices to come back down. Is that true or false in your estimation? Well, it it will take a couple of years for the prices to come back down. But I think by 2024, you'll be down about two and a half percent. Again, that is assuming that the Ukraine situation does get resolved. Um, And I think you will see a gradual but steady decline in inflationary pressure. You know, inflation was caused, again, by the the supply chain being absolutely locked up because of the pandemic and the fact that people couldn't spend money on services, so they spent money on goods. Those two things are abating noticeably. So, again, the Ukraine is the, uh, the uncertainty here, but otherwise it will decline, and I think it will decline Probably it'll take about two years to get back to normal. So that's that's the answer right there, two years. So that answers the question is the fact that this is not something that by the end of this year or even no, early, no, no, early not next by year. by the end of this year. Yeah, <laughs> it, we're talking two years yeah. until this but that's, gets... But that's, perfect. that's pretty normal though, Brian. I mean, that's typically, you have an inflationary situation like this. It doesn't resolve overnight, but two years would be fine if it got done in two years. Well, and in a society that lives in the here and now, not two years from now, that's a long time. So I'm glad we clarified that. And the other thing to clear up is interest rates. We've spiked from, you know, roughly 3% to upwards of five and a half now on the 30-year fix just in the last couple of days. Uh, you know, the industry veterans out there who remember, and I, I am in that crowd, pull out the, well, when I bought my first home, interest rates were, you know, 12% or whatever, right? But that has absolutely zero relevance for the millennial buyer out there. And it's like telling them how cool eight-track tapes were back in 1978, right? (laughs) For the record here, you you look back in 1980, you were were in the business then. The average median home price was $47,200. Average income, median income was $21,200. A gallon of gas was $1.20. Today, median home price is $392,000 nationwide. From the numbers I have, median income is just under $107,000 nationally, and gas is five or six bucks a gallon. So, again, there's got to be a better way to frame this conversation for real estate agents, mortgage folks, real estate industry folks out there, for the millennials out there who are seeing rates essentially double from what they were a few short months ago. Unfortunately, we have had multiple spikes in interest, but they obviously the overall trend has been downward now for 40 years, which is wonderful, right? Uh, and it's due in, part, uh, due in large part to globalization, and uh, we'll see where we go with that. That's probably my biggest fear about all this is that we get, we get into this deglobalization, which I think would be a disaster. I would tell you this, short term, people are going to have to sit on the sidelines and save their money, and that frequently has been the case. And that's frequently what people have had to do in our society. You save your money until you have the the interest rates accommodate you and you have the down payment necessary to make the purchase. It is not a given. You know, unfortunately, it's going to be a little bit disruptive. Uh, Short term, I think we're going to it's going to be a little bit slower. It's going to be a little bit harder for people to buy a home. Yeah, Uh, that's the way it is, unfortunately. But we've seen this movie many times, actually. And uh, hopefully it abates fairly quickly. Yeah, I want to circle back to that in a sec, but, you know, top of mind right now is the, you know, these forecasts we're seeing that, you know, if this conflict continues and the price of a barrel of oil goes to 
150 bucks or 200 bucks, we could see uh, J.P. Morgan forecasting gas at potentially six dollars and twenty twenty-five cents by August. So that would be eight bucks a gallon in California. That that would be high high diesel costs, high costs across the board to to move goods. So. Um, you know, I'm just Joe Sixpack here, as I like to say. And, you know, you see these insanely high fuel prices, uh, the supply chains, even if they are easing up, you know, in the next, say, six months and inflation does cool off, it's going to take a while. But where I'm going with this is the, you know, there's the perception and then there's the reality. And there's often that disconnect between the two where, okay, hey, things are getting better, but people don't feel it, Pat, when they're filling up their tank and it shuts off at a hundred bucks, right? Or, or, you know, they, they go to go to the grocery store and whatever item it was they bought, you know, a month ago has gone up three bucks. I mean, those things mentally impact consumers, whether, whether they're buying a home We've seen car sales plummet the last month. I mean, it has a, a, a psychological impact on everybody, doesn't it? Of course it does. And we've seen this movie many times. And I'm sorry, but that's the reality. We, You and I can't control it, but we can deal with it. And I would recommend to people, be prudent, be thoughtful, make, save your money. One of the problems we have in this country is the savings rate is ridiculously low. You know, candidly, most of my adult life, it was at 10%. It's down to about 4% and it's trended down in the last 20 or 30 years. And I think that's, uh, you know, that penalizes everybody because you don't have the savings. And, you know, you talk about gas, you talk about food. Let's be real honest about it. We have income inequality in this country and the pain is really being felt by the bottom 20%. Gas and food prices now constitute about 30% of the income for the lowest 20% of income earners. It only comprises about 6% of the income of the top 20%. So this this pain you're talking about really is impacting the lower income people more than anybody else. And we have, uh, you want to talk about a long-term problem, we've got a long-term problem, and that's income inequality in our country. And a lot of people don't make enough money, and it's really unfortunate. But, you know, I mean, it's, uh, we'll get through it, but it is painful. Well, and, and I, I think that's a great point, and that leads right into where I was going with that is the real estate industry will have to deal with that in some way, shape, or form because if you don't have the lower end of the market, right, that is obviously a huge segment of the market here that, you know, whether it's first-time home buyers who are strapped with student loans or people who aren't making enough money, forget about making ends meet, you know, it's probably the topic for a a whole other podcast or video all by itself. But you're talking about interest rates. Uh, one thing I want to talk to you about that we have not talked about in this episode or really even off channel is the fact that the Fed was buying all those mortgage-backed securities during the pandemic, which provided liquidity. It, re- it really helped prop up the market. Obviously, it dropped interest rates. Um, now they're going the other direction, right? They're going to start selling off uh, you know, this, these mortgage-backed securities, instead of quantitative easing, it's quantitative tightening or QT as they're calling it. Does this mean that that's going to add a double whammy to interest rates? It worked the other way when they bought the securities, when they sell them. Do, do we start to see even more pressure upward on mortgage interest rates as a result of this sell-off? I, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be interested to see what the Fed actually does. I do believe that they are going to hike their rates in the next few meetings. And they probably need to get the Fed fund rate up to about two and a half percent to really stop the inflation and really, to really get it dampened down. Again, 
irrespective of the Ukraine, they will probably do that. Will they sell off their mortgage-backed securities and sell them off quickly? My gut is that they'll be a little bit more thoughtful about that. I doubt that they'll do both things simultaneously in a very aggressive manner because that would be very, very hard on the economy. So one man's hope is that they are prudent about uh, selling off their their mortgage-backed securities. Uh, They also have a tremendous amount of T-bills, so we'll see what they do. But uh, if they are prudent about it, by hiking their rates, they basically slow down inflation and get it going the other way then maybe down the road they can sell off or, or liquidate their portfolio in a more rational manner. Let's hope that they just don't they don't go to this $95 billion a month kind of thing that people are talking about. And I don't think they will. That that would be kind of foolish. Boy, I, I couldn't agree more. That's a and, and not a lot not a lot of people were talking about this. I know industry insiders have been, but really haven't seen a whole lot, you know, industry wide talk about this and and it's good to hear that you feel that way because that's uh going to calm people down a little bit you know we've been doing this i guess this dog and pony show here for you know 12 years either in video or podcast or on the radio or over lunch or you know you've been you know you've been schooling me for years now on this but uh one thing i want to point out is that you know we've got the the true professionals in real estate who are all cheering for a normal market i mean when was the last time we had a normal healthy real estate market where it wasn't going you know, absolutely berserk crazy or, you know, in the tank. I mean, it, it wouldn't it be nice to just get back to a normal market, however we could define that nowadays? I, I'm not even sure how to define it. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've had what I call a normal market. Uh, you made a comment earlier about starter homes and so forth. And I've said this to you before. We used to build a lot of starter homes in this country. And I mean, I think back in 1980, about 40 percent of all new construction was starter homes. On 2019, it was 7% of construction. Now, people will say, yeah, Pat, but our population growth is declining. Well, actually, there are more people in the starter home age now than you've seen since the baby boomers. Yep. And there are no starter homes out there to buy. So we, have, we haven't had a normal real estate, truly normal real estate market in a long, long, long time. Will we in the future? I hope so, but I'm not looking forward around the corner because it's not going to happen quick. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe three to five years, maybe? Uh, at, at least that much, at least that much. Okay. You know, you, you just won't, even if you get inflation down, even if you get interest rates back down to around 4% or, or slightly under 4%, I think anywhere between three and a half to four and a half is fine, candidly. Um, if you get interest rates down, you get inflation down, it's still going to take a while to build up the supply of new uh, starter homes and uh, have builders. Builders were talking about starting a lot of first-time buyer homes. Uh, that all got killed with the inflation and all this, but we'll see where it goes here. Uh, it would be nice to get back to some sort of normality. <laughs> yeah, no way. no question. I mean, it's been a, what a ride, uh, really, going back to like maybe say 2004, 2005, those of us that were around then to remember that to now. I mean, what a what a roller coaster. Let's take a forward look now here. It's hard to believe we are in June. We're about halfway through another crazy year. What's your outlook for the rest of the year here? Do you see, you know, obviously I know this is going to depend on what happens in the, in the Russia-Ukraine war or conflict, whatever you want to call it, uh, with oil prices could be a huge driver in interest rates ultimately and obviously fuel prices and all that but what's your outlook 
for the rest of the year, I, I think we're going to probably amble along like we are right now until we have resolution in Ukraine. If it happens sometime this summer, then I think by the end of the year, we'll be feeling significantly more optimistic, but also uh, have a little bit more view of a clear view to the to the length of time it will take to get back to normal. So um, I am, you know, on a scale of one to 10, I'm probably, a, let's say that 10 is, is euphoric, number uh, one is, uh, you know, depressingly negative, and then five is normal. I'm probably, uh, I'm probably right around five, maybe four and a half, you know, so we'll see. I One of the things that you learn in life is what you can and control and what you can't control. Yep. So I think uh, WFG, myself, and everybody I know is really focused on controlling what you you can control, both your personal expenditures, but also how your business operates. Be prudent. You know, listen, uh, anybody and everybody out there listening or watching this, be prudent. Think about the fact that you don't know for sure what's going to go happen. So don't be foolish. Don't overextend yourself. Um, I would love to see the, uh, the savings rate in this country get back up to 10% because that, that's where we were after, after World War II all the way into the 80s, and that worked very well. That's how we built this country. So be prudent, be thoughtful, save your money because we, we don't know for sure where we're going to go. Thanks to WFG founder and executive chairman Patrick Stone for joining us. And thank you for partnering with WFG.